Malachi chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. I remember the law of my servant Moses, the, the decrees and the laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. I know uh, there's a lot of, uh, we have a lot of visitors today as well, and I know that the Great Lakes uh, uh, Chorus is here as well, so we welcome you and we can't wait to, uh, to experience you this after, after the worship, so uh, we, we, we're looking forward to that. And uh, happy Father's Day to all of the fathers, the grandfathers, and father figures that are here with us uh, this morning. Thank you for all, thank you all for being here. And uh, today, what I would like us to do uh, for our time together is for us to bring honor, glory, and praise to our Heavenly Father as we celebrate our fathers today. And to help celebrate our fathers today, at least to help start it for our lesson today, I would like us to start with my favorite, dad jokes. Dad jokes. So uh, Gwyneth uh, Laycock uh, gave me these dad jokes. So thank you, Gwyneth, for that. That's Tyler and Emily's uh, daughter there. So her top three is this, according to me at least. I chose them. What do you call a bear with no teeth? Yeah, you got it right, I think. Gummy bear. Yes. What has four wheels and flies? That's right, I heard it. A garbage truck. Yes. Very good. Very good. This one. Why do seagulls fly over the sea? I like this one. It's my favorite. Because if they flew over the bay, they would be bagels. You guys all get it, right? Sometimes, maybe if you don't, you know, some of the father's, uh, dad's jokes, I think it's important they explain it as well. It's not complete until they explain it, so everybody gets it. You guys get this one, right? Seagulls, bagels, but except it's spelled like the bread. Excellent. Everybody gets it. So, our scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of Malachi. And the book of Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. Uh, in that book, God, through his prophet Malachi, tells his people, the people of Israel, how much he loves them. How much he takes care of them. And in their history, his favor was with them the whole time. Even though, for the most part, they had been sinful, oppressive, irreligious, profane, forgetting or even neglecting the covenant that they had with their God. And I loved uh, the last part of Malachi. This is what really caught me, and I thought, this is, this is, we're gonna lead off of this today. In the last part of Malachi, in chapter 4, God promises them salvation. Although they have been so bad, He still promised them salvation. He promises them that at the, at the end, there's gonna be something for them from Him. And in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, this is part of our scripture reading, uh, today that was read by Jason. God said through Malachi, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. So in this verse, God is telling the people of Israel that he is going to send Elijah to them again, a second time in the future. And the reason why is said in verse 6. And this is really what caught my attention. In Malachi verse, chapter 4, verse 6, God tells us the reason why he's going to send Elijah again. 
And he, that's Elijah, will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. God tells them, I'm going to save you. And I'm going to do that through Elijah's word. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn your father's hearts to their children and their children back to their fathers. That relationship is crucial. And I ask the question, why is it important that fathers turn their hearts towards their children? Why is that a thing in God's mind? And the only reason, the only logical explanation that I can give is because God knows the importance of the role that fathers play in the lives of their children, in their families. I'm pretty sure you all agree, mothers are awesome. Mothers are important in, our, uh, in, in, in the lives of our families. I mean, without them, children would not be born. But today, I would like us to celebrate the importance of our fathers by saying that they have an equal part in the role that they play in the family. As important as the mother's love. As important as the mother's role. And today we're going to do that. We're going to, we're going to explore that today. You know, the fathers and their presence and their involvement in, uh, in, in a child's life, uh, are important, is important. Uh, there have been, uh, research and research, research upon research and studies upon studies that show the negative effects of the absence of a father in a child's life. And in their website, uh, National Fatherhood Initiative, it's from the U.S., in their website, they list really alarming statistics as a result of a child not having a father in the home, at least not having an active and involved father in the home. And these are the, some of the things that, that they say. If a child does not have a dad in the house, they are four times uh, they are exposed to four times greater risk of poverty. They are uh, twice as much likely to drop out of school. They are two times more prone to being obese. They are seven times uh, more prone to becoming pregnant as a teenager. They are more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol. They are more likely to be in the life of crime or to commit crime. And finally, they are more likely to end up in prison. 70% of crimes, of, of murders that are committed by uh, minors, 70, 70% of them are people or are, are children or minors that do not have fathers in their homes. And 70% of those, obviously, in, in, in jail that are minors, did, do not have a father figure in their homes. But the positive benefits are also amazing. In their book, uh, uh, The Importance of Fathers in the Healthy Development of Children, which was written in 2006, the authors, uh, Wilcox and Rosenberg, uh, has this to say about children who have active and involved fathers in their homes. This is page 12 of their book. They say, I don't know if you can see that, that... These children will have better educational outcomes. These children have higher IQs. These children have better linguistic and cognitive cap capacities. These children start school with higher levels of academic readiness. They are more patient and they can handle the stresses and frustrations better. 
Furthermore, uh, they say, the authors say that these individuals, these children have better verbal skills, intellectual functioning, and academic achievement. And also, they are more likely to be emotionally secure, confident. They are more likely to have better social connections with peers. And this one, I love. They are less likely, to, less likely to get in trouble at home, in school, or in their neighborhoods. So we ask the question, why did God say this? We have every reason to believe that God knows exactly the importance of fathers in the lives of our children. We need to turn our hearts over to our children. So uh, we understand as well that this particular uh, promise was, uh, was materialized. It became true. It was fulfilled 400 years later. And we see that at the start of the New Testament in the person of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is this new Elijah that God was talking about, that he promised. In Luke 1.16, talking about John the Baptist, we read, And he, John the Baptist, will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And look at verse 17. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. And look at this promise. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. You know, fathers are important in, making, in, in, in helping to ensure that our society is ready and prepared for the Lord. That's why in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, verse 4, we read, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Okay, that's just my intro. Okay? All that to say that our t- the title of our lesson this morning is Good, Good Father. And the reason is huge. The need for this is huge. Not only because God says so, but because we see it in society today. I called it good, good father because we as fathers here, we want to be the the, the best father that we can be for our children. And the second reason is because we have a good, good father in heaven who shows us how and who enables us to be the father that we need to be because of his example, because of who he is. So this morning, I understand that this is Father's Day, but Many of the things that we're going to talk about this morning applies to mothers, to parents, to adults, to individuals, to all of us here, especially as we seek to influence the people around us, not just our children, but the people around us. So today we're going to do this by talking about two characteristics of God that make him the good, good father that he is to us as his children And that enable us, in turn, to look into him and say, wow, he's enabling me to become the good father that I need to be for my children. As we turn our hearts over to our our children. So the first thing that I would like to talk to you about that makes God the good, good father that he is, is this. He is holy. He is holy. In... 1 Peter 1, 14-16, we read, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it, for it is written, 
be holy because I am holy. So God says here that he is holy. What does that mean? So we understand that holiness in scripture, in the Bible, has this idea of being separate, being apart, being consecrated. God is that. He is not of this world. He is separate from this world. He is above and beyond this world. That's why we say that his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. Because he is on a league very far on his own. He is separate. On the one hand, his holiness means that he does not involve himself with the evil things of this world. He does not sin. But on the other hand as well, his holiness means that everything he does is right. You know the song that we, we sang early this morning? The Good Good Father song? We're going to sing that at the end here, by the way. We, we, we sing, you are perfect in all of your ways. Everything he does is perfect, is right. Can you imagine a father who does everything right? That is our good, good father in heaven. And the implication for that to us is huge. Because he says, I am holy. So everything that is about him, everything that he touches, everything that he wants close to him, all of his relationships, they also have to be holy. That's why he says, I need you to be holy too, because I am holy. If I am separate and I'm going to have you with me, you need to be with me, with me. You need to be separate as well. I can't have you in the world. I need you with me. Do, you, do we understand what that is? What that means to be holy, to be separate, to be consecrated, to be sanctified by God? I'm going to give you a simple example. I was just thinking about this. And I'm going to give it through the way of DVD collections. Do you guys used to collect DVDs or you still do? I used to do that. We used to have like a Blu-ray collection that had the library at home. It's gone now. We don't do that anymore, right? We did. And I loved, you know, my favorite movies, I would have several copies of them. You can judge me later or you can judge me now. It's okay. (laughs) I have several copies of them. So what I would do is one copy, that would be the copy that I would like, you know, watch at home with people, with friends. Another copy is something that I would like, you know, loan to people. I would, people would borrow it because sometimes people just forget to bring it back. So I'll just, I have a separate copy for that. But there's this one copy. Ha, you know what I'm talking about. I don't even touch it. I just look at it. So nice. I look at it and I admire it. It's just for me. You know what I'm saying? It's not for me. You not, nobody's touching this. It's just for me. I put it away. It's separate from my collection, I put it away somewhere. Separate. That's the similar idea behind our holiness. He wants, God wants us just for himself. His exclusive ownership. He wants us to do just his work, not the work of the devil, not the work of our own hands, his own work. That's being separate. That's why we do that as obedient children, to not conform ourselves to the evil desires of this world any longer, just like God. And in uh, 2 Corinthians 7, 1, therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us 
purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. Perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. See, holiness for us is not perfection. It's being separate. It's an ongoing process of sanctification done by God, by the Holy Spirit as we grow in our life for Him. But our onus is to separate ourselves from the world. We need to be willing to do that. Because that is what God would want us as His exclusive property, as His exclusive possession. Now, imagine a father, an earthly father, who understands what it is like to be holy in the sight of God, to be sanctified, to be consecrated to God. Can you imagine what we can do for our children if we have that mindset? Can you imagine when our children look at us and we always want to do right by them? Can you imagine? It speaks volumes. It will speak, speak volume. Look at this verse. The righteous lead blameless lives. Blessed are their children after them. Blameless does not mean perfect. No sin. Blameless means when I sin, I do everything that I can to correct it. To atone for it. To ask for forgiveness. To own it. To say, Lord, I sinned. Please forgive me. And it's the same thing when I do that in front of my children. Have your children seen you do something bad? My children have. My children have. How many of you fathers, how many of you parents have sat down with your children and apologized to them for what they have done? I did that for the first time a while back and it broke me. It's, it took so much from me. But you know, if I'm going to lead a holy life for God, I need to show that to my kids. I need to show that to my children. I'm going to give you an example here. One of the, one of the things that my, 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 my children saw in me that I thought, I should stop doing this. This is my boy Jacob. He's six years old. See that drawing there? That's me. You guys see the resemblance? Exactly. That's exactly what I thought. So it's like, how is that me, Jacob? Now, you see exit, but don't worry about that. Exit, just, he just likes writing the word exit because he likes the letter X. So it has nothing to do with me, just so you guys know, right? It's dad. See, it's dad. And I said, why is it dad? It doesn't look like me. He's like, look at that hair. I don't have hair up to here. I have, you know? And you know what he said? Dad, it's you. How? Look at this. Do you guys know what that is? See, there's a thing there. There's an eye. Do you guys see that? That's your phone, dad. That hurt me. That is me with my phone. And my son knows that I'm always on my phone. So something had to change. I had to, I had to really watch myself with my device. Because I don't want them. He, he's the first one to tell you that I don't want them on their device or on the screens all the time. We, I cap that for them. But guess what? I have to first cap it for myself. 
if I expect them to cap it for themselves. So, if you guys like text me or call me and I don't answer, you know why. Right? But it's important that we do that, that I do that. Yes, I could justify myself and say, well, I'm doing work. But at what cost? If I become so proficient at my work because that thing is always on my hand, and then I, for, and then I neglect my example to my kids, at what cost? At what cost? You know, do you guys know Francis Chan? He wrote this amazing book called Crazy Love. And in that book, he had this quote that always keeps coming back in my mind. He said, Our greatest fear must not be of success. Our greatest fear must be, uh, uh, must not be of failure. Sorry, I'm going to say that again. Our greatest fear must not be of failure. Our greatest fear must be of success at things that don't really matter. My children matter to me. And I can't do this ministry without my children, without my wife. I need to turn my heart over to my children knowing that I have been consecrated by God to do that for Him. So that is the first thing that I would like to talk to you about. The second thing is this. Let's move on. The second thing that makes God our good, good Father is the fact that He's loving. You don't need to be convinced of this, I understand. But today, I just want all of us to be reminded. Because sometimes, the day-to-day things in life lead us to forget this. And allow its impact to, to, to affect our lives every day. God loves us. You know? Um, how, yeah, there's this song that we sang today. It escapes me. I don't know if Tim can, it's this song where God, you know, that he should give his only son, you know, to make a red, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch, a garbage, a piece of garbage, his treasure. That's, that's, that's love. Look at, I have some verses here that will really encourage us to think about this more fully. First John 3 verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. I love the NIV version of this. There's an exclamation mark. In the end, and that is what we are. You know what? Because it's, 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 I understand that we are not even worthy to be the slaves of God. But God comes down and says, no, 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 no. Yeah, I don't look at you that way. You are my sons and my daughters. And John says, that is what we are. And that's part of the song that we sang as well, the Good, Good Father song. It's who we are. It's who we are. It's who I am. We are His children. We are loved by Him. And I love this next one. Romans eight thirty-eight to 39 For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Christ Jesus our Lord. The love of God is active. It's persistent. 
It's everywhere where you are. And here, it's profound. It is constant. It's steadfast. It's never ending. It's not, it's not, it's not concerned with, well, what's the minimum that I can give these guys? It's concerned with the maximum that I can give these guys. That is his love. It knows no bounds. It spares no expense. In Psalm 136, verse 26, give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. It's forever. It doesn't end. You know, one, one great thing about the, the love of God, and this is where we can apply it in our lives as parents or fathers or individuals, as we influence the people around us, is this. It compels us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, we read that the love of God that we see manifested in Christ's love compels us. It leads us. It moves us. Because of His love for us, we do. We practice. We obey. You see that? Do you see how He leads us? And this is the practical side of this, okay? Because one of the things that I would like to impress upon all of us here today is how we lead our children. I'm going to say that again. How we lead our children. Because God, He can just easily tell us, do this. You need to do that. I'm not going to tell you why, you just do it. But He compels us through His love. That's the difference. I told you this before. I don't know if you remember. Between leadership and management. Leaders, they influence Managers, they control. As parents, I can understand that sometimes we need to manage, especially when it comes to plans, when it comes to budgeting, when it comes to time, when it comes to their activities. We need to manage that, right? Making sure that timings are right, making sure that things are on time. We need to do that. But the problem is this. As parents, sometimes, we are constantly, not sometimes, but most of the time, we forget to switch off that management mode. We never turn on the leadership mode where we need to lead. Where we need to lead, we still manage. Remember the example that I gave you to, to illustrate the difference between the two? I gave you the example of me being late. You guys, you guys, okay, yeah, I'm always late, right? But people can lead me or manage me when it comes to me being late. Right? For example, there's an activity at 7 o'clock. You will manage me if you tell, well, Jay is always late. So what we're going to tell Jay is the meeting is at 6.30. Filipinos know this. I looked at some Filipinos and they're like laughing. Because they know we do this, right? If there's something at 7, you tell them at 6. They'll probably be there at 7.15, so it's okay. You manage them by telling them, oh yeah, be there at 6.00, you know, be there at 6.00. 
But you lead them. You know how you would lead them? You would tell them, it is important for us to be here at 7. You will lead me by telling me, you know what? What if I pick you up at 6.30 so we can be there together at 7? You see that? You just broke down the barrier for me because I struggle with that. And you involved yourself in helping me. That is the kind of leadership that we as fathers need to give to our children. Sometimes when we apply that in our, in, in our, in our parenting, you know, Filipinos, Filipino example as well. This is where I grew up in, this culture. For example, we don't want our kids to like open the cupboards. You know, you probably have that same thing. You know what we would tell them? Filipinos, don't open that cupboard. Why? There's, there's monsters in there. There's monsters in there that will eat your face. We control them by fear. God does not do that for us. For the most part, He compels us with His love. So instead of doing that, why don't we do this? Hey, buddy. I don't, I don't, those cupboards, cupboards, I don't want you to open them, okay? I, they can't be opened because it's dangerous in there. Here's what I'm going to do. What if you just play with this and I'll be with you? I'll help you. You know, you know what I'm saying? Help you through that because I know that your instinct is to open. But give them what they need. Support them and lead them to that. That is what our children need today. Is to be led instead of being managed. And when we do that, can you imagine what, what they can do? Can you imagine what they can do in this life? Now, our time is running out, but I just want to really wrap this in a tight little bow. I want us to really take this home with us today. I want us to I want to give you an example of the love of a father that tends and caters to the needs of their children. I want to introduce to you this guy. Have you guys met? Do you guys know him? His name's Dick Hoyt. Have you guys heard of him before? Good. So this is going to be good. This is going to be new. So if, if you do know him, just, okay, you're going to hear the story again. Dick Hoyt is American. He's a father, right? I think at this time he's in his 70s. He's, 30, he's, 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 well, he's probably going to be 80 soon. But Dick has a son named Rick. When Rick was a teenager, he, he, he comes up, he, he came up to Dick and said, Dad, there's this guy in my school who was a lacrosse player and he injured himself and now he's, he's, he's a paraplegic. He's wheelchair bound. There's a run, like a run, like a five mile run that will help raise funds to help support this guy. Can you please run with me? Now Dick was not a runner. Not a runner. But you know what moved him to do this is, well, wow, I want to nurture my, the compassionate side of my son. So yes, I'll sign up. Yes, I'll do this run. So he did the run. He did the five-mile run, thinking that that was it. That one, once for all, done. But you know what his son said to him afterwards? Dad, that run, that you running with me, that made me feel so free. I loved it. Can we do that again? You know what he did? He started training. Because he wanted to hear that from his son. He's not going to say no to that. So he did it. All in all, in the 36 or 37 years plus of their, you know, of, of, of their life, right? 
this is what happened. They, were, they joined or entered 1,125 competitive events. That's a lot. 71 of those were marathons. 32 of them were in the Boston Marathon. The last time they did it was in 2014. And you know what time they did? Three hours and eight minutes. That was their last marathon. And you know what else? Seven of those were Ironman triathlons. You know what an Ironman triathlon is? Triathlon means it's three events. One of them, I'm just going to round off the numbers here. I think if I remember, it's swimming for four kilometers. Can you even run for four kilometers? Swimming for four kilometers. Biking for 180 kilometers. And then a marathon on top of that. A marathon is 42 kilometers, like the marathon that we're just experiencing here in Winnipeg today. 42 kilometers. You're probably thinking, why is that important, Jay? I don't understand. Anybody can do that. Why is this so special? You haven't seen a picture of Rick and his son running it. Have you? You have? These guys have. This is them running it. He said, Dad, I feel so free when you run with me. What is a father to do? Rick had cerebral palsy at birth. Look at this, you know, triathlon. Imagine the logistics of that. 180 kilometer bike ride. Four kilometer swim. He did seven of those. 71 marathons. 1,125 events. Good, good father. See? Father's days are a mixed emotions for people. For many, it's good because we have that strong father figure in our lives. But sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't. Whatever your situation is today, know that there's a good, good father in heaven. that cares for us. He cares for us. And today, we're here, and I just want to say that God really desires to be a father to you. If you do not have that relationship yet, we're going to sing this song. And as we sing this song, please come. And I want, I want you to pay attention to the words. Think about His love for you when we sing It's who we are. It's who we are. It's who I am. Let's stand and sing.